Welcome, welcome, welcome to the San Francisco 49ers Morning Show, man. We got a few little topics going to touch on today. Kyle Shanahan has an article, well, not Kyle Shanahan, but Benjamin Solak has an article talking about Kyle Shanahan and really his time as the 49ers head coach. And there's two different sides of Kyle Shanahan, the decision maker and the offensive genius. All right, so we're going to touch on that and more. Keep it locked right here. Let's go. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the San Francisco 49ers Morning Show. I'm your host, former NFL and AFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. And uh, man, I'm excited to get talking with y'all today. Didn't have a whole lot, uh, you know, to really get going. And I felt like, you know, as I was writing out the title, which was the ringer exposes Kyle Shanahan. I'm like, man, I, I feel like I've been really negative towards Kyle Shanahan. And it's not really how I feel. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, I mean, it is how I feel, but, <laughs> but I, I don't want it to come off as if I don't like Kyle Shanahan. I'd say I'm a little bit just more disappointed with how things have gone. All right. So we're going to get into that and more, especially with the article that Benjamin Solak uh, wrote about for the ringer. I appreciate everybody's in the chat. Good morning to everyone. Um, you know, I hope everybody's having a blessed morning. I see some of the flames coming in. I think we've gotten a little way, uh, a little bit of, you know, away from that, but I see five flames. I see five flames. Okay, there we go. There we go. Everybody feeling good. That's what I like to see. That's what I like to see. All right. Hope everybody is doing well. Health is good. See y'all listening to uh, KMBR. You got Steve Young, Jerry Rice. There's no leaders, no dogs. We're going to get into that. All right, but I wanted to start by talking about the the article that uh, Benjamin Solak wrote. And I actually had, I had a, a, I came on live one time, kind of spontaneous, right? Where the title was Kyle Shanahan should fire himself. And my thinking behind that was, I don't think that he's a great player personnel guy. You know, like just based on the results, he's not. And I think he should focus on just being a head coach. So when I said Kyle should fire himself, it was more so of Kyle, Kyle should fire himself from being the head guy, you know, that just that everybody kind of has to answer to. And um, so that kind of echoed those sentiments. You know, he talked about coming in and who he was, who he is, right? You know, Kyle Shanahan, again, quote unquote, offensive genius coming from, uh, you know, just the, the way that he's elevated a lot of talent, whether it was, you know, what he did with Houston Texans and working his way up from, I believe it was like receiver coach to officer coordinator. You know, you had Andre Johnson had his best years under Kyle Shanahan. You know, obviously he went on to coach uh, uh, Washington football team, be the officer coordinator there for his father. And, you know, they have RG3 and, and how he elevated the talent of RG3. And, you know, obviously they picked, uh, Kirk Cousins, and, you know, he had an eye for that. And, um, you know, RG3 ended up being the Offensive Rookie of the Year, which is weird because there, we might be able to draw some parallels a little bit between the RG3 situation and the Trey Lance situation. Now, the difference is he actually wanted Trey Lance, but the same thing is if you kind of, I guess, if you look at it from the fact of he did not want 
RG3, he still coached RG3 to a Rookie of the Year award, and they made it to the playoffs. So look at this situation. It's like, well, you wanted Trey Lance, but he didn't want to play him. And sometimes I think when people think of Kyle Shanahan, you know, kind of getting in his own way a little bit, maybe that's an, that's an instance right there where it's kind of clear that he did that, right? He did not want RG3, did not want him, didn't want to coach him. But even though he didn't want to coach him, team went to the playoffs, RG3 won rookie of the year. Now, RG3 got banged up, didn't know how to protect himself, was hurt, was hurt in the playoffs. I think if he wasn't hurt in the playoffs, they would have won. I think they played the Seahawks, was it? I think they won that game. But, um, you know, also went on to coach other teams, uh, the Cleveland Browns, you know, and it was kind of up and down there. We all know about the situation with them making him play. He was kind of upset about this, right? They made him go from Brian Hoyer, who I believe was having a solid year, to Johnny Menzel. And Menzel did not have a good year, and Kyle did not want to play Johnny Menzel. I'm starting to see a kind of a trend of him not wanting to play some of these younger players, and it really kind of goes back or either didn't want them or didn't want them. And I don't know if he needs to be a little more open to different things and really getting the most. Now, now Manziel, that's different, right? Like Manziel was a kid who, um, you know, they talked about, he said it like, Hey man, if the Browns would have did their homework, they would have known. I don't watch film. I ain't doing any of this. So he just didn't know how to be a pro. So, you know, you don't want to play him. I get it. But at what point does Kyle, and I know, you know, with me, with kids, right? I know what kids are. And my biggest thing is just getting them to understand how they, what they need to do to reach their, you know, maximum ability or get to as close to it as possible. And I know that I have to approach each kid differently. You know, there might be some kids that annoy me, right? But I, I train athletes. And sometimes, you know, there's a kid like, gosh, this kid is annoying. But I stay on them about certain things, but I also know, even though they annoy me at times, when to put my arm around them, you know, when to uh, prop them up, when when to celebrate things that they're doing, when to, you know, really kind of sometimes over-exaggerate it, right? Like, man, that was really good. Like, that was great. Even if it wasn't that great, but giving them the confidence and in themselves that, oh, man, I'm doing this. And a lot of times when I do it that way, you know what? I see an attitude change with that kid. And I see that kid's attitude improve, whether it's towards working out or, you know, just their ability to carry out certain things that I've asked them to do. Sometimes I know when I need to really get on them, get on them, get on them, do, no, do it over, do it over, do it over. Sometimes I know when I need to pull back a little bit. But ultimately, I've seen a lot of really good results from the way I've brought, propped up, I don't want to say propped up kids, but from the way that I've developed kids who maybe weren't ready to be developed or didn't truly understand what went into it, but I've been able to get the most out of them. I think when we look at Kyle Shanahan right now, that's kind of what he's struggling with. And if you look at his past, that's also something that he kind of struggled with, where it's you have the talent, you have the ability, but if you don't do it my way, we have issues. And I think what he should do is, and again, this is just me thinking out loud, and this is not the right way to do it, but, okay, you have the talent, you have the ability, you're not where I need you to be, but sometimes let me put my arm around you a little bit. Sometimes let me give you compliments, even if you don't necessarily deserve that compliment, right? And with kids nowadays, that's kind of just the way you got to go about it. But you can still be the hard ass. And I'm still the hard ass sometimes. 
And I'm still the guy that, nah, do it this way, do it this way. I do it with my son. But I also know when I need to, you know, prop up my son, even if it's not that big of a deal. But I gotta, I gotta, I gotta celebrate small wins. I think Kyle might be able to do a better job of that. Here we go. We got a contribution. Crock and join the content. Keep up the great work. Man, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle has to, I'll leave that up a little bit. I think he's just really stubborn. And I think that's that's where part of the issue is. So, anyways, fast forward, goes to Atlanta. Atlanta does an amazing job, but he, you know, he had veterans. He had, you know, you got Julio Jones, you got Matt Ryan. Like, I think one part that kind of gets a little bit overstated is that like they make it seem like Kyle Shanahan built Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan was good before Kyle Shanahan. Now, did he elevate him to having an uh, uh, an MVP season? We, we could say that. But Matt Ryan was always good. Julio Jones was always good. Now, did Julio have his two best years under Shanahan? Yeah. But those were great players. Those were great players. One thing that Benjamin Solak talked about, and I thought it was very interesting, is that he said Kyle Shanahan's offense does a great job of elevating later round picks. I never really looked at it like that, right? You know, I know a lot of everybody talks about Kyle Shanahan, uh, you know, missing on high picks and whatnot, but the fact that he's been able to elevate either lower round picks or undrafted guys, right? And, and, and you look at the Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne, Kendrick Bourne had no business probably making that roster. And what I mean by that is, like he was someone who didn't have the most talent, uh, was very productive though at Eastern Washington. When I say didn't have the most talent, you know, he was a four seven guy in the 40. His three cone was really good. He wasn't a great special teams player. I don't even remember him really playing special teams. And typically, if you're at the bottom of the roster and you can't play special teams, you don't make it. And somehow Kendrick Bourne did. And somehow Kyle was able to get the most out of Kendrick Bourne. Well, it was threatening him a couple of times saying, Hey, I'm gonna cut you if you don't get this together. Or you would be cut if this guy was healthy. Whatever the case was, he was able to get the most out of Kendrick Bourne to well to where Kendrick Bourne was able to get paid from the New England Patriots, an undrafted guy that ran a four seven that came from a one uh, a one double A school, an FCS school, who left school early and still went undrafted and wasn't a great special teamer. Everything was against Bourne, but for whatever reason, Kyle was able to get the most out of him, and it's almost like man, like you know. Whatever you did with Kendrick Bourne and how you you motivated him, but maybe I I, I want to say part of it is, and, and we do this as well, right? Part of it is when you have really high expectations for someone, maybe you're just harder on them. And you guys have always heard that, right? Where you know, as coach, hey, if I'm not getting on you, that means that you know I don't I don't if, if I'm not getting on you, I don't like you. If I'm getting on you, that's a good thing. That means he likes you. Maybe it's just, well, we just really like Brandon Ayuk, so we just want to get on this way. But there is a certain line that you you kind of toe a little bit when doing it that way. And you don't want to crush a kid's confidence. And I think Kyle Shanahan, with some of the way he's addressed things, he sometimes, it's almost like he kind of hurts people's confidence and then maybe wants to build them back up. Maybe it's not his job to build the kid up. Maybe it's their receiver, uh, their coach or, you know, their position coach or whatever. But uh, another contribution here, if Shanahan is incapable of finding the balance you talk about, do you look for another head coach 
or go for a good QB coach who can be like that with Trey Lance. Um, I bet there is a balance with the quarterback coach and Trey Lance right now, or you know, within how Shanahan is, you know, handling the situation and the and the coach. The coach really more times than not just kind of relays what the head coach wants. So I bet they have that really good relationship. But even then, it's you know, I mean, and this is just life, I guess. But I'm pretty sure you guys have all been at jobs where maybe you didn't necessarily like your boss, but maybe he's not the person directly over you. And you're thinking the whole time, damn, my boss is an asshole, but maybe your manager or supervisor or whatever, they're cool. Um, that could be the case, but at the end of the day, Kyle Shanahan is the decision maker. Uh, I don't know. The land situation is interesting. We're going to get to that. One thing that we we did get from, um, oh, here we go. Here's the best corner in your league, in your opinion. Oh, good question. I love Jalen Ramsey. I just love the way that Jalen Ramsey goes out there, the way he competes. I think it's it's kind of you know tough to get guys with his type of size that's able to move the way he is and guard the different type of receivers he's able to guard, whether it's smaller guys, bigger guys, whatever the case is. Uh, I think Jalen Ramsey's attitude in which he approaches the game, I love it. The way he is on the field, the chippiness, I love it. Uh, love everything about Jalen Ramsey. So that's definitely he's. I don't know if he's the best. I mean, you know, but he's my favorite. That's for sure. Kyle Shanahan has the doghouse trend, and that's what people are calling it. And I don't know how you get into his doghouse. I don't know how you get out of it. But I'll tell you this. And I, I got into coaching and training athletes 2015, 2016, when I got done playing, right? And the first thing I noticed was these younger kids are different now. Like, these kids coming out, like, they're, they're different. Like, they, they're level, they're mental toughness, the way you have to approach them, it was different. I was really completely shocked. I'm like, look, I can't, I'm not kissing none of these kids' ass. And that was almost how you have to do it. Now, I never, I still didn't kiss kids' ass. I didn't. But you have to find that balance between how you feel you should do things and what these new age kids kind of need, right? And I see my guy, Philip right here, he says they're soft. <laughs> they're different. You know, I don't even want to say they're soft. They're different, uh, these new age kids. Uh, they're, the things that they're into are different. Just everything about them, like, it's just different. And the way you talk to them, the way you handle them, it's different. Same thing with, again, I always bring up my son. My son is different. He's different than how I was when I grew up. I was, you know, just super, just this rough, tough kid. And my son is kind of the opposite, <laughs> you know, where it's like everything just hurts his feelings. Everything's like, it's just like, like dude, why, why, why does it hurt your feelings so much? Because I tell you, like, you didn't do this, but you need to do this. So I've had to learn, like, okay, he just held it different. And it's, it's not just him. It's this, these kids. So you got to figure out a different way to approach them, right? Like, to, to where you're still getting out of it what you want, what you need, but you're not, like, crushing their spirit in the process, right? I think that's where Kyle Shanahan, he has the doghouse thing, and he, he did it with Dante Pettis. Listen. The evaluation of, of Kyle Shanahan on these players is not wrong. Dante Pettis, for everything, whatever they thought Dante Pettis would be as a receiver, like, not, not wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, Pettis was whatever it was with his, you know, his movement skills, his route running ability, his ability to do all those things. Like, whatever they saw on film, and they're like, hey, I identify that. Like, that fits in my offense. Pettis was that. 
it was the mental side of things that maybe they didn't truly understand who Pettis was or how he would react to things. Pettis said, you know, some of the same thing with like, man, like, you know, I let it crush me. I, I took it the wrong way. But at the end of the day, Kyle, like, it's on you to get him to understand, like, to not take it the wrong way. But it's almost like Kyle just doesn't care. It's this is the way I'm going to do it. It's my way or the highway. And so far, that's been his whole thing, right? But these kids are different, man, and you got to go about it a different way. Even Trey Lance, which for everything that Trey Lance is, and Trey Lance is tough, right? People don't, you know, they don't realize this, but Trey Lance, Trey Lance was a, a, a red shirt freshman when he played. He, as a red shirt, he backed up Easton Stick, right? Or he didn't back up Easton Stick. He was a red shirt at that time. But he did everything possible as a red shirt guy when he was a freshman red shirting. He was watching NFL film. He was sharpening his mind. He was doing all this. So he's clearly a grinder, right? And then I think everybody just thinks, oh, Trey Lance, he went to an FCS school. So, like, there's no, uh, you know, there's no, like, competition or he hasn't battled. Like, no, North Dakota State, like, they are a powerhouse. They brought a quarterback from, I believe it was Iowa State. They brought a, a transfer from, like, Iowa State. And they wanted him to be the guy. Trey Lance had to beat that guy out. He had to be better than that guy. Like when teams, when when these schools, oh, okay, I'm at an FCS and I get this transfer in from Iowa State, you're bringing the transfer in from Iowa State to start. You're bringing him in to start. And Trey Lance had to beat that guy out. You know what I'm saying? Like he had to go above and beyond to show I'm better than this junior or senior that you have transferring in here. And I am a freshman, a redshirt freshman with no real playing experience, but I have to figure out a way to get everybody behind me and get the coaching staff behind me to understand that, no, I am a, I am a good, uh, a big time talent. And I deserve to play over this guy that you're bringing in to actually play. Even though I've been sitting here, I redshirted this year behind Easton stick and you still brought in somebody to play over me. So he's not, Trey Lance is not this just like mentally weak guy. Right. He understands like the what it takes, the hard work, everything that he has to go into it. Like, I don't think that's anything that's new to Trey Lance. But in the process, like. You still can go about a way to where even with a guy like that, because he is one of these new kids, one of these TikTok kids and they they do all the dances and all this type of stuff. They're a little soft. So as hard as Trey Lance is, pause, as hard as he is, he still has a side of him of just this new age generation. And if Kyle Shanahan doesn't know how to relate to this new generation of kids and how they take things, you're going to ruin every kid that just doesn't come in as what it is exactly that you want from them from a mental standpoint. And, and, and that's tough. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's tough. That's tough on all these kids. You know, and that's going to be tough on any draft pick uh, that he has, that if the guy doesn't come in right now with the mindset exactly how he wants, then they're in trouble. And we're seeing that with Trey Sermon, right? We're seeing that with Trey Sermon. Like, again, we, we went over some – like, he's averaging over four yards a carry. Trey Sermon had almost 100 yards rushing against the Seahawks. But he can't get on the field? He can't play at all? He can't dress up? Why can't he? Because he's in the doghouse. Why is he in the doghouse? Because maybe he's not doing things exactly how Kyle Shanahan wants him to do it. Why can't Kyle, like, why why can't you, why, why can't you kind of, you know, there has to be a little give and take, Kyle, right? 
again, my son does not do things exactly how I want to do. And I'll nitpick at him and, you know, I'll pick him. But I tr I understand that my son is different, you know, and this new generation of kids are different. And, and there's sometimes where regardless of how I feel about something, I know sometimes I still got to put my arm around him, right? I know sometimes I still have to, like, prop him up. Even if in my heart, in my core, I don't want to be like, oh, man, you did an amazing job, you know? I always want to keep it real with him. But you got to figure out a different way to approach these new age kids. I think that's a that's where Kyle Shanahan is having a tough time with. So I wanted to kind of address that, the doghouse part of it in this article that Benjamin Solak wrote, because I think that's that's what maybe hurting Kyle the most with these guys. And not just the rookies. I think maybe his team in general, you know? Again, these, these kids, they're different. And it's tough. Somebody like me that's a, a little bit of a hard ass, it's tough. It, it, you know, it, when I saw these kids in, in 2015, 2016, I started coaching them and I understood right then and there, these kids are hella different. They're hella different. And those kids that I started coaching in that year, they're going to the NFL now. Not all my kids. I'm just saying in general, like that, that age, that, that, that era of kids right there, they're going to the NFL. I remember being in passing tournaments and playing against Najee Harris in tournament. I mean, like, damn, who the hell is this big ass kid at receiver? They, he's a running back, but you know, they used to put Najee Harris at receiver. He was like 6'3, 220 pounds in high school. They put him at receiver and he's just dog dudes at these tournaments. But those kids are now going to the NFL. And, you know, you look at that, and I'm just like, man, like, if Kyle is going to be successful, he's going to have to understand that there has to be a little give and take with how he goes about bringing along these kids. They're not going to be like some of the kids that you grew up around, Kyle Shanahan. They might not be like a Terrell Davis. They might not be like a, you know, who, whoever else, Julio Jones, right? Julio Jones still a little more old school, right? So he could take it. These new kids, you got to approach them a little different. I think that's what Kyle, Kyle could really benefit from going about it and looking at it like Chester Gray says right here. These new kids are soft. I have a son that, <laughs> that I have to stay on. Exactly. Same thing. Chester, same thing. My son, he's soft too. I got to stay on him too. But that's the same thing with Kyle Shanahan and these kids. But Chester, I would like to know too, is there some give and take, right? With you knowing how your son is, do you have to sometimes, like, is there like a give and take, right? With how you approach him with certain things. And I feel like that's what I've had to do with my son where I feel like being, I, I want to be on them all the time. And I probably still on, am on them a little too much. But when I, I learn sometimes now, okay, reel it back in, E, and show them love. Give them a hug. Play with them. Take them out to eat. Do these things. Even if you don't feel like he deserves it right now, but you got to do those things or you're going to completely lose these kids. You know what I'm saying? And that I think that's a big part of what's going on with Kyle Shanahan. I think Kyle's losing these kids. And you got to understand that they're they're all different. You have to approach them a different way. So I think ultimately the thing that people are worried about right now when it comes to Kyle Shanahan and even ring and you know reading this article from Benjamin Solak of the Ringer, terrific article if you guys haven't checked it out yet. But a big part of it is with Kyle being that way. How how is that gonna go with 
our guy, Trey Lance. And Trey Lance is the future. All right? Trey Lance is the future. Can Kyle Shanahan kind of get out of his own way and, you know, change up some of the ways that he views things to help bring this kid along? They talked about Trey Lance's confidence kind of, you know, going down during training camp. How do you let that happen, Kyle? How do you let Trey Lance's confidence go down? He was he was so up. He was trending in the right direction. He's doing all these great things. But how do you let how do you let his confidence go down? Well, I tell you how. Every time you had a chance to prop him up, you know, at press conferences to the media, or whatever, you shot him down. That's how his confidence goes down. Every time, every time Kyle had a chance to prop up his his third overall pick, he shot him down. And it was just like so stern. Just, well, I've, when, he, when he gives us a better chance to win, then he'll be the guy. But right now, he doesn't. And Jimmy Garoppolo does. Boom. You know what I'm saying? Oh, well, when he, you know, yeah, he, you know, yeah, you know, he did some good things. You know, yeah, he made some throws downfield. But, yeah, there's a lot of other things that he didn't do very well. Boom. Heard him. Oh, yeah, you know, uh, no, Jimmy Garoppolo is our guy. I've told you guys that the whole time. Well, will Trey Lance ever get any first round, uh, first string reps? Mm, no, not unless he gives us a better chance to win, which he doesn't. Like, all of that, like, it, it, it killed, it killed Lance a little bit. And again, I'm not saying that, like, you got to kiss these kids' ass. I understand it. But, Kyle, you got you to gotta realize what you're doing to these kids. They are different now. They are different. I think ultimately, as we heard from Jake Plummer talking about Mike Shanahan, that style can wear on a guy. Now, maybe you get a guy who doesn't need that, right? Let's look at Bill Belichick and, and him with Tom Brady. Tom Brady didn't need that. But I would be curious to see how Bill Belichick approached college, uh, uh, Tom Brady and when he was a rookie, when he was a second-year guy. When... The Patriots are coming off of a losing season with Drew Bledsoe and 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 the 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 lanky second year guy uh, comes in for Bledsoe who gets hurt and they roll with him. How did they handle him? Did you were you critical but also uplifting? He backed him, and I think that taught him how to handle the situation with Mac Jones. Look at the Mac Jones situation, all right? Because we can draw some parallels here with how they handled this situation. Before I want to get into that, make sure you guys remind me to talk. Matter of fact, I'm going to write it down. Matt Lance. Coaching. All right, we're going to talk about that. Let me get to this super chat real quick. Croc, do you think Kyle will publicly shop for a QB this offseason? And what will do the Lance's? Nah, I don't think so. I don't think so. If he did, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'll be done with Kyle. I'll be like, all right, guys, I can't be a 49er fan no more. <laughs> as long as he's head coach, I'm sorry, I, I'm I'm lying. I can't change that. You know, I when I was when I was with the New York Jets, uh, I actually had I had a 49ers phone case, and I had that even when I was with the Jets. I can't take that. I'm, I'm a 49er fan. You know, I cover the 49ers. I try to be as non objective as possible, but um, or objective as possible, but. I'm a 49er fan. Like, I love this team. Like, it's in my veins. 
And uh, so, yeah, even when I was with the, yeah, so I can't stop being a 49er fan, but I would be highly upset. Like, what are we doing here? Like, what are we doing? No way you do it, though. You gave up too much. So he's going to try to make it work. The issue is he's just so stubborn. He's so stubborn. And I get it. I'm, I'm a stubborn person, but I got to learn. My wife is, babe, babe, are you in there? I wish I could bring my wife in here right now. I'm, I'm in the office. Um, she might be studying or something. I wish I could bring my wife in right now so she could tell you how stubborn I was, especially early in our relationship, early in our marriage. So stubborn, so stubborn. I was like this, like, it's either my way or like, man, you can get gone. Like, I was really like that. And I've had to learn. Like, I've had to learn how to, like, be a better husband. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I've had to learn how to, like, take into account, like, how she feels and do things that, oh, man, I don't really feel like doing this, but my wife wants me to do it. Like, I've had to learn, like, there's, there's a lot of give and take with a relationship. And I had to learn that, you know what? I don't got to be this hard, North Stockton dude all the time. I can be a better version of myself. Like, there's a better version of Eric Crocker in there. What's the better version of Kyle Shanahan? And it's almost like Kyle's a little afraid to get there. So it's like Kyle can't be so stubborn to the point where he publicly shops for a quarterback. No way, Kyle, you can't be that stubborn. But even then, you can't be stubborn with how you handle Trey Lance. You just can't. I'm going to get to the Mac Jones and Trey Lance thing. I appreciate the contribution. Kyle makes everyone look like Jay Cutler. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. I appreciate the contribution. That's right, man. Like, come on, Kyle. Kyle looks depressed right now. I think there's another super chat. Here we go. Um, how do we know how the locker room dynamic with Jimmy didn't hurt Lance's confidence, seeing how much they were behind Jimmy? Bad look and vibes, maybe. Um, I'm going to say this, man. And, and I talk about sometimes – with my, with my, all right, I'll bring on, I'll bring on the Ponte. I'll get, I'll send you the link of Ponte. But I, I talk about this sometimes with my time at the Jets, right? And I mean, this is the only NFL team I was a part of. I was a part of other professional teams with, you know, Arena Football League and all that. Um, but the Jets, my rookie year, they drafted Geno Smith. They also had uh, Mark Sanchez. Right. And you know what? There's a, there's a way that they went about this. I got to tie this. It's the same thing, just a different way. There was that like we, 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 I don't even think we felt it like that. There was Geno Smith. There was Mark Sanchez. Geno was drafted. And it's like, all right, you know, he's a second round pick. I think Geno's going to end up being, you know, that's the guy that they want. Mark Sanchez was there. He was the starter. He had, was the guy that took them to two previous uh, AFC championship games. Right. What they do, they was like, oh, well, how the locker room felt. That's what I was trying to get to. We ain't care. Or at least I ain't care. And I ain't seen anybody else that cared. At the end of the day, when you are on the roster, you gotta like whoever the, they're just they're they're backing. Oh, well, he's a starting quarterback. And that's probably what guys on the Jets were saying at the same time. Oh, well, Mark Sanchez is a starting quarterback until he's not. And then we get behind that guy, right? Like at the end of the day, guys in the locker room, like. I don't think there's just this split locker room unless somebody splits it, like say Terrell Owens with the whole thing, you know, Terrell Owens like kind of split a locker room, right? With the Cowboys, with like the Tony Romo and the Jason Witten thing and all this that, and the other Tony, I think he was in the same thing he kind of did with Philadelphia Eagles. Like, so 
unless you got something like that where there's like somebody in the locker room like intensely doing it, most of these guys, they don't care. They want to win. They got a job to do. They're making a lot of money. They got to provide for the families. And I think that's the part of being a professional athlete that people forget. These, this is their job. Like, it's their job. Like when you are an NFL cornerback, like it's your job. When you are a coach, it's your job. I can't worry about this other guy. I got to put food on my plate. You know what I'm saying? I, uh, I got I to gotta provide for my family. Like that's the goal. Not who this quarterback is because regardless, I have to do my job. Now, can you get frustrated with certain things? Yeah. But I don't think you're going to get frustrated with like, oh, well, they drafted this guy. Hell no, nah, man. Who is this rookie? Nah, man. Unless the rookie comes in with a bad attitude, which I didn't think that's the case with with uh, the young kid. Now, I see a comment in here. Kittle definitely is taking sides. I don't think Kittle's taking sides. I think if you ask him a question right now, he can't. Like, Jimmy, our coach has told us Jimmy Garoppolo is our starting quarterback. Jimmy has been here. Yeah, like, Jimmy is my guy until he's not. And I, and I bet you this. When Kittle, I mean, when, when Jimmy is gone, Kittle is not going to care. You... Look at what guys did in in Kansas City with uh, uh, Travis Kelsey and 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 Tyreek Hill and who they have. They had Alex Smith. Alex Smith had led them to the playoffs. He had done this, down the other. They won games and all that. Okay, got this young kid. That's who they drafted. That's the guy. Okay, Alex Smith. Dang, you know it was nice, man. You were a good dude in the locker room. Awesome, great. Okay, but we got this young guy. Let's go. These dudes, they don't care. Like. Yeah, I I have to back this guy. They had to back Alex Smith until they didn't. Once Alex Smith is gone, okay, it's the young guy. If Alex Smith, like, it, it is what it is. These guys, these guys, at the end of the day, man, like, yeah, George Kittle's quarterback was C.J. Beathard in college. That was his quarterback, C.J. Beathard. And what happened? They traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, and it's like, all right, Jimmy's my guy now. <laughs> like... George Kittle don't care. CJ Beathard was his college quarterback. And at the end of the day, all right, CJ, I love you. They still hang out, it looks like, in the offseason and stuff like that. But Jimmy's our quarterback now. I'm telling you, these guys don't care about any of that. All right, but I do have something to say about uh, how, they, how they've kind of handled this situation. And I'm sending this invite to my guy, Aponte. So if Aponte wants to come on, Ponte, I don't know if you're still in here, but I'm going to message you right now and, and bring you on. All right. But um, hold on, guys. I know you guys like Aponte's uh, insight. So um, Here, here's the here's the last thing I want to talk about on this situation and kind of how they handle situations. And we're going to talk about Bill Belichick, him with quarterbacks, Kyle Shanahan, and I'll even throw in the Geno Smith situation on how these guys handled having a young guy. All right. Now, clearly in two year 2000 or whenever it was, 99, whenever it was when the Patriots were, you know, drafted uh, Tom, uh, Tom Brady, all right, I got my guy, Jason. I'm going to bring you on in a second, Jason. Let me get this thought off. So when the Patriots brought on, uh, you know, Tom Brady, they drafted him sixth round or whatever it was, seventh round, whenever it was. What did they do? 
okay, you can you can sit. You're a six-round pick, whatever. They noticed, mm, okay, there's something there with this guy, right? Started off as like the four-string quarterback, worked his way up. They had uh, our guy, uh, Drew Bledsoe, who some of you guys are young, but Drew Bledsoe, Bledsoe was good. Like, Bledsoe was like the man. Matter of fact, Bledsoe took the Patriots to a Super Bowl uh, previously. Lost to Green Bay, but Bledsoe took the P Patriots to Super Bowl. At this time, you got Belichick. And um, and I'm going off of memory right now. I was a little young, but I'm going off of memory. I remember Desmond Howard doing his little dance into the end zone, uh, all that. What was that, 1996? Was that? So I was young, but I, I was a football hit, so I still remember this stuff. All right, but Desmond Howard uh, returned. You know, you had uh, Brett Favre, who kept killing my 49ers. Anyways, they played in the Super Bowl. They won. They beat the Patriots. Believe Bledsoe was the quarterback. Anyways, moving forward, Bledsoe, still the guy, but, oh, man, not winning as much, right? So what they do? They, they drafted Tom Brady, wasn't in the rush to play him, and somebody said, first $100 million player. There we go. Yeah, Bledsoe is the guy. The young guy sits for a year, right? But you get to sit when you are a six-round pick, and there really aren't the high expectations. You got Drew Bledsoe as a starting quarterback, all right? Bledsoe gets hurt. They put in Tom Brady, and they roll with the rookie, and that was the change in the guard there, right? And it wasn't this prolific uh, Tom Brady that we're known to see today, right? I mean, it was this young, inexperienced guy who just had this edge about him and this extreme work ethic, and they put an offense around him, like didn't ask him to do a whole lot. You look at some of those years, his numbers weren't like great, right? It was just like, manage, manage this. Sounds like a current situation that they're in right now, right? But you looked at how he handled that situation, and then they end up ultimately getting rid of Drew Bledsoe. All right. Tom Brady was their guy from there on out. All right. Now let's fast forward to 2019. And again, I go back to that. I mean, 2021, excuse me, go back to those years. And somebody said 16, 16 TDs, 12 INTs. I think no, no playoff TDs. That's Tom Brady, his first year. All right. Not crazy. And he came in rather early in the season, maybe three games in or something like that. It was really early. I remember when uh, Bledsoe got knocked out. All right. So, Fairly early. Now, I wonder how Belichick brought Tom Brady along. How did he instill the confidence in him? We know the kind of hard ass that Belichick is, but how did he bring, that's what I want to know. Like when he was young, how did he bring you along? Did he prop you up sometimes? He also coach you up, which we know that he's going to do, right? We know he's going to, okay, hey, you got to, you got to, you know, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. But even when he just showed the slightest of improvement, put his arm out. Good job. Good job. Give this kid confidence. And also, we know the type of hard worker that Tom Brady is. So maybe he didn't need a whole lot of encouragement. But, and again, people were different in those days. Fast forward to what we're seeing now, right? And we're going to talk about the differences with how Kyle Shanahan has handled this situation as opposed to Bill Belichick, who's the, you know, the seasoned guy, who is the hard ass. Belichick, they draft Mac Jones, Right. The moment that it looked like Mac Jones was remotely ready, and people keep saying, "Oh, Mac Jones, he just beat out, he just beat out uh, uh, Cam Newton, beat out Cam Newton." Uh, Cam Newton. The game, went, so he got released one day. Whenever he got released after the whole COVID thing, but the game before that, right when he, the actual last time that we saw Cam Newton play, he completed like ten of eleven passes. A touchdown was sharp. He was executing. He was doing all the, like, he looked good. But 
they also said, you know what? This young guy, I think there's some, there, there, it's there, right? Like he he's ready to actually play, even if it's not going to result in the most wins. We're going to be better down the road right now playing with Mac Jones as opposed to Cam Newton because it's not a drastic difference in their play. Right, even if Cam Newton was still slightly better, or even just had slightly better dynamic, doesn't matter. We're gonna we're gonna get him out of there. You like, hey, Mac Jones, you don't even gotta worry about him. We're gonna get him out of there. It's your show. Let's bring you along. Let's let you grow. Let's build you. Let's do all those things. If it doesn't result in wins every week, which right now we're the Patriots four and four, it ain't great. It ain't great, but. We're going to be better down the road for it. And eight games in, hey, let's just keep getting better, right? Let's keep getting better with him, right? Okay, we can take some L's or whatever. Maybe we would have won or, you know, a game or two more with with um, a healthy Cam Newton. I don't, But it doesn't matter. We're rolling with you. Y'all don't think that Kyle Shanahan had the same opportunity to do those things? Now, here's the big difference. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo, a lot more money, a lot more money. Okay, somebody said uh, we talking about the Patriots five and four exactly right now. Patriots being five and four right now with three straight wins, awesome, good job, right? And Matt Jones, he's doing very good. I mean, you know, the defense is like you know every time I look, every time I watch a Patriots game, it's like I see, um, I see goddamn. Uh, a defensive player picking the pass off and running it into the end zone and, and having multiple red zone interceptions and things like that. Right. Uh, they're doing their, that defense is balling and, and Mac Jones has been a good compliment to the defense early on, which is similar to the way that the Patriots brought along Tom Brady. Right. You don't have to light the road on fire. Uh, Mac Jones, you don't got to light the road on fire. Hey, my dear, throw here and there. Can you make this throw? Can you do this thing? Can you be efficient? Can you not lose the game for us? Right? And they're doing a great job of instilling that confidence in Mac Jones and bringing him along. Well, what does Kyle Shanahan do? All right, what does Kyle Shanahan do? There was a window when we all here every week we saw it where our guy, Trey Lance, was lighting training camp on fire. Right? Like there was a window. He was completing a high percentage of his passes. He was throwing the ball down the field. He was making plays with his legs. He was highly efficient in the red zone. It was like a two-week span where he was, like, killing it. But every time he had the opportunity, Kyle Shanahan shot it down. Didn't give him reps with the ones. Didn't do any of that. So you got one coaching staff where when it starts to get a little even or close to it, let's get rid of this other guy, and we're rolling with the rookie, and we're going to go with our lumps. And they're going to be better for it down the line. And you got another coaching staff that's like, nah, man, we're going to stick with Jimmy Garoppolo no matter what, and we're going to crush this young guy's confidence and let him know it doesn't matter what you do, you're not going to play. So when we start to kind of, you know, bring it all back to Kyle Shanahan and how he handles things, I don't know, man. I I truly don't understand it. Uh, I try to understand it. I get where they were going with, and I understand, like, at some point, you had to take on the fact that just, well, this is what it is. I, when I found out that the 49ers could have cut Jimmy Garoppolo week one or potentially traded him week one or whatever, and um, or right, you know, at the right when the season was about to start and be able to roll over $24 million, come on, man. But not giving uh, uh, Lance those first-team reps, 
shooting down him every time you had an opportunity to prop him up and big him up and tell everybody how good he was doing and how impressive he was. Kyle didn't do that. Kyle did the opposite. Kyle shot him down. Kyle shot down the situation. But maybe I'm being a little hard on Kyle Shanahan. So let's bring in my guy, Jason Aponte, and let's see what he has to say about this. I appreciate everybody that's in here right now. If you like what you've heard so far from this show, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button if you're not already. Underdog Fantasy tonight. If you don't follow me on Twitter, follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker. We're going to get into Underdog Fantasy. Promo code Crocky. I'll show you guys my bets, um, the prop bets and the over-unders from some of the players playing tonight. We're going to get into all that and more. But I want to get my guy Jason Aponte's advice on this. So Jason Aponte, man, good morning. How you doing, bro? Good morning, Croc. And I heard you talk about my guy Cam Newton. We've got some breaking news that he's actually in Carolina right now. Um, they're looking to bring him in. Um, so might have a reunion with Cam. And uh, wow. a little bit of the disrespect that was thrown around with Cam Newton. I don't really like that because I'm glad that you brought up the fact that he was very sharp. And people make it seem like Mac Jones did beat him out. But it was more about, at that time, Bill Belichick prioritized two things. One, you can't really take a chance with Cam right now because of what was going on with COVID. And then two, it's like, man, let's just give the rookie reps. And I'm glad you talked about um, – I'm glad you talked about how Brady started, right? Because it was defense. And it was very much just, you know, don't do anything to, to blow the game. That's what Mac Jones is doing right now. And for everybody who's, like, taking victory laps around, it's like, man – that's pretty much what everybody thought he would be coming into the league. So I'm glad that you really talked about that because tired of people making it seem like Mac Jones is doing something that nobody expected or if people were calling him a bust, he's doing exactly what everybody believed that he would be doing. Anybody who watched him, he was the most pro-ready. I hate that term, but the most pro-ready, right? And I think that, that right now you're seeing it. So, Right. Now, what do you think about how like the 49ers have handled this situation with – Trey Lance. And, and I came on yesterday and I talked about how I feel like they've made it even more difficult and not just for Trey Lance, but for Kyle Shanahan as well, because the season hasn't gone the way they want it, even with him having a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback who he was expecting to win games with. 49ers are three and five. And I almost feel like right now, if Kyle Shanahan goes to Trey Lance, people are going to expect him to be the savior and, and, and salvage this season. And it's like, you know, if you if you were three and five, if you started the game the season three and five with Trey Lance, but you're seeing things. I mean, look, what was your tweet about Justin Fields after the game? I saw your tweet like the right. next day after the game. What what'd you say? Right, like, if you're a Bears fan and you woke up t Tuesday morning, you feel like you won the game, even if you right. lost the game. You you saw the glimpse, right? And if you start Trey Lance week one and you're three and five and you see progression, this fan base would be much more at ease right now. And that's the problem. You're in no man's land right now, and the kid's not developing. And I feel like it's unfair because Trey's going to have those unfair expectations that you talked about, right? He has to immediately come in and, and, and step in and, and play well. Look, Justin Fields, and we talked about it the last time we were on here. Justin Fields did not look good the first few weeks. It looked very bad. It looked very bad. Like, you know, remember, what was it, one passing yard or something like that? Like, he it was netted, very bad. He netted one passing yard. He got sacked nine times. The big issue was everybody was saying, well, he held on to the ball too long in college. He's doing that as well in the NFL. Everybody was really down on him. And I will also say that Fields has not lit the world up, but he has shown the talent, the ability to do the things that you thought he would do. And people are extremely encouraged by that. You know what I'm saying? When I look at Trey Lance, even in the first game, like he's only had one game and people are writing them off already. I'm like, dude, his one game was more impressive than everybody not named. Uh, 
not named Matt Jones, right? And you expect him to improve each week, still have some downs, still have some ups, but he hasn't even began to really show you exactly what he could potentially be because he's only been able to play one game and people are already like, oh, no, they should have drafted this guy, drafted that guy, and this guy, dude. Like, let, let, let this guy play who was not bad. Like, when you talked about some of these other guys' performances, like, I, I looked at Zach Wilson – and I looked down, it was his third quarter in the game. He had four interceptions and four completions. And it was in the third quarter. Like you said, you talked about Justin Fields and his net, netting one one yard in an entire game, one yard passing. What the hell? I've never heard of that, right? These guys have been able to have their ups and downs, and they're able to play through it and build up some momentum of how well they can play. And I feel like Trey Lance has kind of been robbed of that. Absolutely. And and you're right, right? Like we talked about it too. The way he goes through progressions for a guy who's never really played, he actually does it. He does it, you know, much better than you thought that he would at this point. I kind of wanted to touch on what you were talking about in camp, right? Because I was at camp every single day that it was allowed for, for, for people to be there, right? And you and I talked almost every single day. And I, I almost want to like go back to the conversation we had like on day three when you were like, all right, talk to me. And I was like, bro, it's over. Right. I told you I was yeah. like, it's over. There's, yep. Yeah, I was like, it's it's over, man. There's no way that this kid's not going to win this job. Right. So what happened? Right. Like what happened? What? So I think a little bit of what happened was and this is going to probably lend a little bit more to the whole crisis confidence thing. Trey Lance was doing things that, you know, Mike Silver and NFL Network. Right. Nothing against Mike Silver. But for him to talk about what happened in camp, you were there one day, bro. You were there one day. I was there. Two weeks, stayed away from my family on the other side, and I was there every single day, made a report every single day. What happened was is that when things were going right with Trey, all of a sudden he tried to, like, make him do things that he wasn't ready to do just yet or not good at. And, and what I mean by that is the NFL Network people show up, he unleashes the zone read. Everybody loses their mind. And they're just like, look at this, look at this. And then the next day it's like quick dropbacks short throws, intermediate, like, you know, like that, that that same sort of offense that Jimmy Garoppolo was running, right? Now, for me, I don't know better than an offensive coordinator or, you know, a, a genius or a head coach like Kyle Shanahan. And I understand you want to work on those things, right? But it was kind of odd to me that they would kind of put him in a position where he's going to struggle doing those things in a way that you can say, all right, now look, he's not doing this well. It's time to just go back to Jimmy. That's where I have a little bit of an issue with what happened in camp. Again, I don't know what the plan is, and, and maybe there is some grand plan with Kyle and everything as well. But to make the kid do things and almost put him in a position to fail at it is almost the way that you can say, okay, now look, here it is, and now look, Jimmy Garoppolo could be there. So look, no disrespect to Mike Silver, but you were only there for one day. How do you know what happened, right, unless somebody's telling you something? So like in that way, I kind of feel like, Sometimes the stories from these people, obviously they have great credibility. Mike Silver is, a, you know, one of the most respected guys. But how do you know, man? Like when I was there, the kid was lining it up. I promise you that I talked to Croc on the phone and I was like, it's over, man. I don't see yeah. how this kid, I don't see how this kid is not going to take this over. And then as we talk throughout the days and we our conversations, I'm just like, yeah, you know, high throws. Yeah, you know, like they just were running the ball with him, second team reps never really felt like he got a fair shape with the first team or ever really got a shot to really, really compete for any well, sort I think of quarterback. With, with Mike Silver, it's it was – this is what he's hearing. Like someone told him this. 
So I don't even right. think it's necessarily with him being there that he's hearing like, oh, the you know, he kind of lost his confidence at some point talking about Trey Lance. Um, I think somebody told him that from inside the building. So if that is the case, you know, again, how do you how do you help that? It helps when you do what the Patriots did. They got rid of Cam Newton, right? And Cam Newton said it. Like, you know, he went, did that little interview with his dad. It was like, they had to have me going because Mac Jones couldn't have me behind him. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, Mac Jones couldn't have me behind him because he's too, like, polarizing of a figure. And, you know, Mac Jones would be looking over his shoulder. And that's some of the things that could kind of hurt your confidence as a young guy as well, kind of afraid to make mistakes. And I think if you want to talk about how they're bringing along Trey Lance, depending on what it was that they saw. Again, if it wasn't for what we heard was coming out for the first couple of weeks, if it wasn't for that, then I don't think anybody would be talking about this. But the fact that you saw all the things you saw and, and there was so much excitement and the guys like Mayoko and all these other guys propped up this rookie so much on how he was playing. When you look at that, that's when it's like, okay, we need what can we do to take this to the next level? And, and you talked about some of the things that, that Jimmy offered. No, do the Jimmy stuff. Do that. Improve on that. But let's not deter, like let's not go away from that. Let's continue to build on that. As long as the, as well as the other things that he does, the best thing at that point, though, which again, this is hindsight, man, and I hate hindsight. But the best mm -hmm. thing that would that they could have done was let him go, let excuse me, let Jimmy Garoppolo go, roll that money over, let him go, roll with your rookie, and let him have his ups and downs, and you would be better for it down the line. And they just yeah. didn't do that, you know, and and, right. and it's tough. And we see the other guys who. Similar things. I think it would have been very easy for the Bears to go back to Andy Dalton, right? When when you see Fields go out there and net one passing yard, only threw for like 60 yards, you know, outside of the sacks. Um, you know, he threw for 130 yards in his first game and a half that he played in. Uh, you know, it would have been very easy to be like, ah, we're going back to Andy Dalton. They didn't. They let the kid play. And they're losing right now. They've lost four straight. So we're not saying that it's resulting in wins. But it's 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 about the development of this kid and potentially. And even though they've lost four straight games and they played against really good competition, right? They they played against um, aside from the 49ers, Pittsburgh. but the, yeah, the Pittsburgh <laughs> playoff team, uh, Buccaneers playoff team, uh, who they uh, who they they played the Raiders. They won that game. I know, but there was another team that they played to that that they lost to. That was part of the losing streak. Cleveland. Oh, right now? Oh, yeah, I can't remember. But, I mean, but maybe Cleveland, right another playoff team. Like, so he was playing against, like, big-time competition. It wasn't like he was just playing against. But even then, it hasn't necessarily resulted in wins, but the confidence there, you're building on what he can do. Oh, Green Bay. See him. Green Bay. There we go. Green Bay. Lost that game, right? But they're encouraged. And I think when you look at yeah. the 49ers right now, they don't know what's going on. Here we go. Let's right. go to the uh, contribution. Uh, they did it on purpose to pump up Jimmy's value. It failed. I mean, I don't think the, so. The, the, I I just think that Kyle Shanahan kind of mismanaged this in this way, right? And I think it's a little bit of an old school mentality that's kind of played out in terms of, oh, you've got to sit the rookie. You know, you can't play him in year one. Hey, man, um, ask Cincinnati how they feel. Obviously, Joe Burrow was somebody who played college football, was a little bit older. Ask uh, Arizona how they feel. Even Josh Allen, right? Josh Allen is probably the one that everybody draws the comparisons to Trey Lance, right? Um, I'm not completely on board with that because just because the guy's big and strong and fast doesn't mean that they're the same person but he took his lumps and buffalo went through it and those guys that that fan base was fine with it 
as long as you commit to it, right? But when you start selling this fan base 2019 vibes, we're going to run it back and everything. No, man, no. If you would have went right to the rookie right now, nobody would be complaining at three and five because the kid would be progressing. Right. And like you said, Justin Fields is taking his lumps, man. Like, I'm not going to lie. I was scared, Croc, because you know I'm a big Fields guy. I was scared, man. Like, I was just like, after that Bucks game, I understand that he was put in a bad spot right there. I was like, oh, my God, man. Like, it, did I miss this evaluation? But they allowed him to stick through it. And like you said, they've been losing games, but they're seeing the fruits of the labor. You're seeing it little by little come together. And that's the thing. Not everybody, it's not a one-size-fits-all way for quarterbacks to develop. Some guys develop faster. Some guys develop a little bit slower. But you have to be willing to sit there and go through the development process, and you have to be patient. And I think that's kind of what it is. So, And when you talk about the money and everything as well, too, here's another thing that Kyle Shanahan did wrong. Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, um, every single quarterback that could have possibly been available. You trying to get away from this man, but Jimmy's your guy. Come on, man. Stop lying to everybody when you know for a fact that you've been trying to replace this man for two seasons already at this point. And that's not a knock against Jimmy. I'm just going off of what Kyle Shanahan is doing. You know, like I, I don't necessarily think that Darnold would have been an upgrade or even Teddy necessarily or anything like that. But you've been connected to all of these guys, man. And then at the end of the day, when you don't get one of those veterans, you make a move to three. Then you still stand there on the podium and it's like, Jimmy's our guy. No, he's not. He hasn't been for a while. You've been trying to get away from him for two years already. So why are you lying to people? And then in the in the face of development, not playing Trey Lance. I think that's my issue more than anything, Crocs. Yeah. Um, we see this right here uh, from Coach uh, Karan J uh, Johnson. And he says, uh, they did it on purpose to bump up Jimmy's trade value. I truly believe because Kyle, I don't, I don't think obviously if Jimmy played well, it definitely helps the trade value, but I don't think that they would play Jimmy because of that. I think the only reason that I played they play Jimmy Garoppolo is because they feel like Jimmy gives them the best chance to win. And in the process of Jimmy doing that, it pumps up his value. But I don't think their thought process is, hey, we're gonna sit the rookie because we want to be able to get some trade value for Jimmy. So we're gonna play Jimmy. And pump up his value. Like, I, I don't think that was a thought process, especially because these coaches, they, they want to win. And I think that's right. been his and that's the thing. main focus. And I think that it, it's almost been, and I get it, you want to win, you want to win. But you almost kind of value that even or the potential of winning because you're not winning over the development of your young guy. Uh, we got, I I got Chris that. here. He says, uh, feels last two games better than any Mac Jones games. Uh. Okay, hold on. Well, gotta, the one game that I'll point to, the Dallas game, the Dallas game, I feel like, and the Tampa Bay game, I feel like those were the two games that I could look at Mac Jones and say, all right, I see it now. You know what I mean? Like, just, I'll give him that. Not – it's tough because they just look different, right? I think that's – it. That it's it's hard to compare Fields and, and Mac Jones because of how they play, like, stylistically. So – you can say, yeah, Phil's last two games are better if you want somebody that's continually pushing the ball down the field and running for first downs and things like that. But Mac Jones, that's not the way he plays, and that's not the way he's going to win. So I'd say with how Mac Jones plays and and within or what that is for that team, he has done an exceptional exceptional job, and it has led to more wins than what we've seen from Fields. So I can't say that Fields has had better uh, last two games when he's losing, but then you, on the other side you got Mac Jones who's on a winning streak and he's been very efficient and I've seen him push the ball down the field a couple of times as well. Like, mm -hmm. no, Fields is not playing better now, but again, the fields is better in the sense of what you want from your, 
your quarterback, right? From like a high level, high ability standpoint, but it's not better from just a pure quarterback standpoint because Mac Jones has been very efficient. He's been really good and is resulting in wins. Now, again, there's context. Again, I talked about Patriots defense. Like the defense has been lights out. They forced plenty of turnovers every single game. I see the corners getting picks, taking stuff to the crib, but Fields, he's done really good. And I get more excited about that and where that's going because I think that's just tougher to defend week in and week out. But Mac Jones, with what they've asked of him, his games have been better. He's operating in the offense the way that they need it, right? Like, I'm tired of people pointing to this Jets game as like, oh, look how he crushed the Jets. He crushed the Jets, man. They won 55 to 6 by running the ball and just destroying them on the, on the defensive side of the ball. All he does is not turn the ball over. And that's fine, right? Like, like that's fine. But at the same time, I kind of understand what you're talking about when you watch Fields on a national stage throw the ball down the field when the Steelers know he has to throw the ball um, to try to come back into this game and stuff like that. But I am, I am impressed, though, with Max sometimes, man. He's a great processor. These are all things we talked about. Great processor. Gets the ball out fast. He's really good pre-snap. Give him all of those things as well, too. So I think right now. What people should be doing right now with all these quarterbacks at this point. And, and you know what? Monday I was flying off the handle a little bit with my tweets about Mac because I'm tired of people always tweeting me after Mac Jones has a semi-decent game. Like, oh, look, you see? And I'm just like, bro, like, he was fine in this game and his team won. But what we should be doing right now is just collecting data. That's it on all of these guys. Collecting data. They've only got a certain amount of games. There's no way you can make a determination on who's better than who, especially Trey Lance has only played, like, what, six quarters? Um, you know, Justin Fields has a few games under his belt. Same thing with Mac. We'll have no way of knowing this right now on November 11th. No way. You're going to, it's not going to take, it's going to take a little while for us to figure out who is who, where they're going to shape up. But, uh, but right now there's no way that you can confidently say one way or the other, this guy's better than this guy. This guy is doing that. You know, like you're seeing glimpses right. of it, but we should just be collecting data at this point instead of trying to jump to a conclusion from right now, in my opinion. Right. I agree. And you see right here, uh, Mac is asked to manage the Patriots, which he's doing well. Fields is asked to be the guy and the last guy failed, which is also doing well considering. Um, <clears throat> yeah, again, just different circumstances, different situations. But I try to just take all that out because at the end of the day, when I'm looking at the rookies, it's more of just like, what did I think of them? And are they able to do those things? And I think if you look at all these guys, they've shown they have at one point or another. Now it's just being more consistent, which I would say as far as what they're asked to do and what I thought they would be, Mac Jones has been the most consistent of that, which I don't think is surprising, as you kind of alluded to. And he has a better supporting cast, better coaching staff. That's I think. And, and you know what? Maybe that lends a little bit more to what Justin Fields is doing. Because you know that that line is subpar. You know that the coaching staff isn't, you know, what you think it is, even though Matt Nagy's have more playoff, um, you know, uh, appearances than Kyle Shanahan, right? But that's, I think, what I'm impressed with with Justin Fields is that when things are going wrong, he continues to, like, lift the team up. And I think that that's a little bit more where if you're going to say Justin Fields is ahead of Matt Jones, maybe you can say it in that way, where he can lift the team up on and put it on his on – his, um, yeah, exactly. So there you go, right? Like the team is better, right? And he's being asked to do less, but he's operating it efficiently. He's operating it efficiently. Yeah, he's that's what I'm saying. Job. You, we can't, Chris. We can't do that. Like I can't, I can't, I can't move the goalpost, right? Like yeah, like is the team better? Is it better coach? Is it well coached? All that, yes. But I can't, I can't move the goalpost, right? I, I can't say because, you know, like Matt Jones is playing well. Like he's playing well, like regardless. Yes. And and. 
however he's playing and what he's doing is leading to winning games. Like, you know, so it's like, I, I can't, I get what you're saying though. I get what you're saying, Chris. I get what you're saying, but no, nah, I can't, I can't, but again. I don't, I don't, I can't knock what Mac Jones is doing. Right. He's doing again, well. That's what we and thought. I just saw somebody say as well, he's taking over for Tom Brady. Like that's tough going from, you know, Tom Brady, who all you did was win 20 straight years to going to Mac Jones, who's a rookie. And people are like, that's the next Tom Brady. And the pressure that has that, I think he's handled that very well, right? Just the expectations of being there and, and what's being asked of him and who he's taking over for and what that town of, of Boston or, or New England, wherever the hell it is, what, what they're expecting from this young guy. And the moment hasn't been too big for him. Um, you know, I watched him against, uh, uh, you know, I watched him at Alabama taking over for Tua, taking over for uh, Jalen Hurts, guys that have won like national championships. And he continues to, you know, be able to take over for a guy like Tom Brady. Like, and it's not looking bad. And again, even though this is what we were expecting and we're saying he doesn't have a high ceiling, for him, just as well as other guys, this could just be the starting point. Maybe this isn't the best Mac Jones. And I think that's how people are kind of writing it off as if there's no next level for Mac Jones. I agree. I, I thought, you know, he's more than likely going to be a Kirk Cousins. There's a chance he can be better than that. You know what I'm saying? And right now he's showing, hey, where I'm starting at, I'm at a good starting point, regardless of if my team is good and all that, whatever. He's doing what he's supposed to supposed to do so you know i, I don't yeah. want to knock the kid yeah he said he's I mean, not moving the, the again uh, feels at feels, no, feels, feels, feels that more he does he does and you i don't know think that. anybody you, would dispute I mean, that right no i mean uh, the talent is is different like it's absolutely different one's faster one's bigger one's stronger one has a better arm that's that's all there like you know that for a fact right but again i just want to i just want to say like as much as I love Justin Fields, we should just be collecting data at this point. That's all we should be doing at this point. And I think that a lot of what Matt Jones is doing is what we thought he would be doing. Just a solid guy. He, he was going to be the one who would come in and just be solid right off the bat. And you knew that guys were going to have growing pains. You knew Zach was going to have it. You knew it was going to happen with Justin. You knew it was going to happen with Trey. It's happening with Trevor. And Trevor is the, the, the you know, Trevor's been number one since he was born. Right? Like, it's happening with him. You know, he rarely threw interceptions. It's happening with him as well, too. But um, in terms of safest floor right off the bat, I thought we we all agreed it was Mac Jones. I don't think anybody would dispute that. So I think that you're right about that. Yeah, I mean, it is. It is. But Chris Chris isn't wrong in this, right? Like, when everything around you is set up to succeed, it's going to look efficient and good. Phil stepped into a losing situation and it's growing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can agree with that 100%. But at the same time, I just think that I'm trying to stay away from making like a, a huge blanket statement right now based on the fact that these guys have played so little, right? Like, like even people still ask me, like, do you feel like we should have drafted, you know, fields over and like, look, just because I wanted fields doesn't mean that that was the right pick. But right now you have to like where he's at because of the way that he's growing. He's showing you the glimpses of it, but that's all because of what he's getting reps. And this team has been committed to him getting reps. You know, it must be nice. It must be real nice. I, I will say this. Uh, there was someone in the chat right here, here we go, Patrick Seeley. And I believe he's a Patriots fan. But he said, mm -hmm. um, last running quarterback to win the Super Bowl, and I think you're kind of wording that wrong, is really more so of last mobile quarter, like quarterback that can move, right? Like Because even Justin Fields, Justin Fields is not a running quarterback. No. Really, all these guys, they are the only guy that, like, 
I would say came out and it was just like, this is a running quarterback. It's Lamar Jackson. And we've seen him yep. improve as a passer. Uh, these other guys, they're just dual threat guys. Where there's Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. Like Trey Lance was a passer first. They just utilized his running ability at North Dakota State. But he's a passer. He's a guy that wants to stay in the pocket and throw. Same with Justin Fields. Justin Fields, I felt like at Ohio State, he ain't take off enough. No. Right? It was just like, dude, you know you can take off. You know you can keep on these read options. Like He's not a running quarterback. He's a mobile quarterback. Uh, he's a guy that wants to throw first. The thing is, as these guys transition to the NFL, some of them are relying on their legs a little bit more to get them by. We saw that with Trey Lance. We see that with uh, Justin Fields. If you watch if you watch Trevor Lawrence, watch Trevor Lawrence, watch Zach Wilson. They don't just stand there and throw the ball. They start moving around. Like they start using their athleticism. So it's not that they're running quarterbacks per se. They are guys that can move, but I'd say all these guys want to play from the pocket. They want to. I just think maybe from a mental standpoint, they're not there yet. Yeah. And I think that that's a last ditch resort, right? With fields. Like you see him take off after he's looking around and he's not seeing anything. It's not like it's a one thing. It's not like it's, he's getting it and bailing. I don't think so. It's, it's always a last ditch thing. So. Right. And I see like Russell Wilson, people say like Russell Wilson and uh, shoes, you know, Patrick Mahomes, those guys, like they move Patrick Mahomes, one of the biggest plays he made in the, uh, and I say, yeah, somebody said, I think Mahomes, one of the biggest plays he made, I mean, outside of some of the plays with his arms, but uh, when they were down to Tennessee, in the AFC championship game, he had like a 30-yard touchdown run. Like that was a big play for them in that moment. He continually, like he consistently will like take off and pick up 10, 12 yards consistently, like with his legs. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like if need be. So there are guys that will use their legs. Now, obviously, some guys to bring them along, you might use their legs a little bit more. And that's what we've seen from Kyle Shanahan. But I don't think ideally that's what he wants to do. And I don't think that's what Trey Lance feels like he only is. Yeah. And, and I agree also, with that. I think you, know, you should say, you add like, because everybody says Super Bowl. And at the end of the day, Tom Brady has kicked everybody's ass. Like, so I think we can look at it. When's the last time a guy that's mobile won the Super Bowl and all that, that, and other? I would say, when's the last guy that's mobile going to a Super Bowl? or goes deep into the playoffs. And that happens every single year. And if you're going mm -hmm. deep into the playoffs, you are giving your team a chance to potentially win the Super Bowl. So everybody props it up, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Tom Brady didn't been to 10 in the last 15 years or whatever it is. He's winning most of them most of the time. But these other quarterbacks that are able to move, they are giving their teams opportunities to, to get there, whether it's Lamar Jackson, whether it's Deshaun Watson who went to the playoffs, whether it's uh, – you know, even uh, uh, Josh Allen, he was just in the AFC Championship game. Uh, you know, we're, we're seeing that we're going to see Dak Prescott, who's able to move. Like, he's giving his chance, uh, 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 he's giving his team a chance to, to get there. There are a lot of mobile quarterbacks. So, again, is it 100% resulting in a Super Bowl win? No. But these guys can move. Kaepernick, that's another guy went to the Super Bowl. He was inches away or a few yards away from being able to win the Super Bowl. He was a guy that was mobile, and they used his legs a lot. He was there. So you get to the Super Bowl, does that mean you can't win? I don't think so. So I get it in the sense of Super Bowl victories from guys that use their legs more is not quite there, but the ability or potential for them to win is there. Here we go. Guys, We're living in the age of Tom Brady. 
Right, we're living in the age of Tom Brady. It's like when Michael Jordan was on his run where he won like six championships. Does that, in right. Like Does that mean Patrick seasons. Ewan and the, those Knicks weren't good? Does that mean that Charles Barkley wasn't good? You know, like it's just you're in the age of a guy who is doing something that you're never going to see ever again. So I don't know if that that really is a way to look at it. Here we go. So we got Chris again. He said, I'm not saying Fields is better. I'm just saying that his last two games are better. But but what you're saying is because you're, I get what you're saying, but I think I think you're saying Fields' last two games are better because that's what you want from your quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Like you want your quarterback to be able to do the things that you saw Justin Fields do, as opposed to what uh, uh, Mac Jones does, which is why most people would have taken Fields over a Mac Jones, right? Like we want what he can do, but I don't necessarily think that that means that he's playing better. I think it just means that he's on the right path. Chris, do you want to yeah. just come on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it might be better for him to just speak, but no, I, I, I mean, I get what he, again. I understand Chris's sentiment right here, right? I really do, because again, it's it's about Florence ceiling, and I think that we can all agree that if Justin Fields taps into his ceiling, I don't think Mac Jones can touch that. But that doesn't mean that. Mac Jones is necessarily bad that he won't win Super Bowl. So it's a very nuanced conversation, right? And it's all, and you're right about that. It's about what you want to see. And I want to see it. You know, that's what I want from my quarterback. When things are not going right, can you lift it up? Can you lift the team up? Right. Like a lot of what Mac is doing right now is in structure, is, is in structure with what they do. And they have good coaching over there, man. It helps. You know, it definitely does. But to discount what Mac Jones is doing would be silly, even if I, you know, I love Justin Fields and everybody knows that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a great conversation because it's about, how much coaching matters, how much structure matters, as opposed to can you overcome those coaching deficiencies? Can you overcome roster deficiencies and lift your team up? And I think that's kind of where Chris is at with it. I think he feels like Fields has a chance to carry his team further. And if he's asked to do that, then Mac would. But clearly that's, that's not resulting in wins yet. So I can't no, say not. that no, it's, it's better than what, no. you know, so that's, mm -hmm. that's, so that's all I'm saying. And also yeah. there, are, there is a quarterback a mobile quarterback that won two, two Super Bowls. And we don't look at him as a mobile quarterback, but because of him being old now and how he moves. But if you go back and you watch young Ben Roethlisberger, yep. watch him at Miami, Ohio. Ben Roethlisberger was taking off. His big ass was moving. He was getting up out of there. He was running. He was picking up plays with his legs. Like, he was doing all that. So mm -hmm. I know a lot of people don't look at it like, oh, mobile quarterbacks win Super Bowls, all that. Uh, somebody said Elway. We know that Steve Young. Like, no, nah, there are guys that have been able to move. I think guys right now are naturally just a little bit more athletic. So when you see a guy like Mac Jones, and I saw somebody say, well, Mac Jones, he ran 4.78. People act like he ran slow. He did run that at the pro day. So that's is not quite the same. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's, it's inflated a little bit, just like a lot of these other times. And also, I'm bigger on just your actual, like, play speed. Because I say if Trey Lance run a 40 time, I don't think it'd be as fast as people think, but he is mobile. He's he's just more athletic, right? Same with like a Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, I don't think he ran a blazing time. I think he was like a four eight guy, maybe, or around there. But he's he moves much better than the Mac Jones. So it's not even so much all about uh the 40. It's really more so what it looks like. And Mac Jones isn't as immobile as people think. I would say that he no. moves a little bit better than most people. Yeah. I think they think he just Super statue in the pocket. He moves better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah. But anyways, say that. Jason, appreciate you coming on, my guy. 
Hey, you know what it is, man. And I appreciate the guys in the comments saying bring Jason on. I didn't know I was doing this today. I was just in here enjoying the show and everything as well, too. So, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that people like what I have to say, and, and it's, it's humbling. I appreciate that. Tell them where they can find you, man. Hey, man, Jason Aponte 2103 on Twitter, Jason Aponte on YouTube. Um, yeah, that's pretty much where you guys can find me. And uh, shout out to everybody showing love. And uh, thank you, Croc, as usual, man, for uh, for putting me on here, man. All good. All good. Appreciate you. All right, bro. And I know typically we take callers and all that, but, you know, I don't think we're going to do that today, man. I think this was a great conversation. I appreciate everybody that tuned in. Friday, we're going to be right back, and we won't be getting into the next game. So how about this? Tomorrow, Friday, I'll dedicate the entire show to bringing you guys on and having the conversations that you guys want to have. I appreciate everybody that contributed to this show today. Uh, if, if you liked it, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. I appreciate everybody that tuned in, all the contributions. I appreciate Chris because he carried me with the contributions today. All right, but um, I love y'all. Y'all have a great morning. Hopefully, we started your morning off on a good note. Till next time. Peace. Talk TV podcast. Talk TV podcast. Talk TV podcast. Talk TV podcast. Talk TV podcast.